Hello, and thanks for listening to a podcast episode from Spun, a live storytelling night in Darwin, the capital city of Australia's Northern Territory. My name's Jess Ong. Now, when people talk about Darwin's history, one of the biggest events to have gone down was Cyclone Tracy, a tropical cyclone that was thought to initially be passing the Northern Territory's capital city until it did a U-turn and made its way back just in time for Christmas. This was in 1974, and still, to this day, some of those who experienced Cyclone Tracy find it difficult to talk about, the trauma and the terror still too close to the surface. But for Cathy Ryan, who was seven at the time, her memories of the night Tracy visited are a little bit different. It is Christmas Eve, 1974. I am seven years old. I wake up after dark and look up from my bed to see the ceiling lifting up and coming back down, lifting up and coming back down, as if the house is breathing. I look across at my six-year-old sister, Louise. She is fast asleep. It feels like a dream. I go out into the lounge room where mum and dad are trying to soak up the water that is pouring under the door. They have all these towels rolled up. As the one at the front fills up, they take it, squeeze it out in a bucket, and then add it to the back of the row and push them all forward. We're house-minding for friends of my parents, and so my parents are really determined that there will be no water damage to the house. (laughs) If we rewind four years... To 1970, it's when we first moved to Darwin from Adelaide. We moved for Dad's work. My gorgeous mum tells me how she wore her, being a, a well-brought-up Adelaide girl, tells me how she wore her hat and gloves, and we're not talking Bunnings hat and gloves here, to the Nightcliff shops the first time she did the shopping. Darwin in 1970 wasn't really a hat and gloves kind of place. Dad worked for Detroit Engineering and like all 70s Darwin office workers, he wore knee-high socks with his business shorts. We lived in a company house in Nightcliffe. I climbed the coconut palms in the front yard and the poles that elevated the house. When we weren't fighting, and sometimes when we were, Louise and I would visit our neighbours, Auntie Mon and Uncle Bill, and play under their house with their youngest daughter. We had birthday parties with fairy bread and lemon cordial. Life was pretty good. My memory is like a dodgy radio. There are so many events before, during and after Cyclone Tracy that are so clear and yet other events that are just like static. I do remember taking shelter that night. We went into the bathroom. Mum and Dad decided that Mum, Louise and my little brother Martin and, and, and I uh, would take shelter in the shower cubicle. Mum put raincoats on us to try and keep us warm and dry and put down my two-year-old brother's cot mattress for us to sit on. When the roof blew off, looking straight up, I could just see a dark square of sky with all the rain pouring down on us. 
if you've been to the Cyclone Tracy exhibit at the Darwin Museum, you'll know the sound we hear now, a crashing, grinding, roaring sound that as a seven-year-old, I imagined a man on top of a giant three-storey high bulldozer just destroying everything in his path. I don't remember being that scared though. My two-year-old brother slept through the whole thing and my mum, although I found out later she was terrified, she never let me see it. It was as if she was a flight attendant during turbulence. I looked to her for reassurance and I got it. I am very grateful with all the things that I've forgotten I'm very grateful for my favourite memory of that Christmas night. The the cot mattress was saturated. We were sitting waist deep in cold water. It's not Melbourne cold or Adelaide cold, but it was Darwin cold. The only wonderful relief came when any of us needed to do a wee. There were a few seconds of magical, glorious warmth, which I can still feel now. (laughs) It's Christmas morning. We come out of the bathroom. Water damage is not really an issue anymore. The bathroom is the only room standing. The the other walls of the house look like pieces of snapped esky foam. Dad finds a house nearby that only has four windows broken, so a heap of people from the neighbourhood gather there. On a big table, Mum opens a suitcase that she'd filled with wheat bix and long-life milk so all the kids in the house could have something to eat. Mum also shared my little brother's baby clothes with other mums who'd lost everything. There was a shell-shocked blonde lady sitting with her back to the windows. She had a grey blanket around her and was just staring straight ahead as her little girl kept saying, Mummy, where's Daddy? I overheard someone say, that her husband had gone out when the eye of the cyclone came over to check on the car and was killed when the winds came back in the other direction. Sometime later that day, we went to Nightcliff High School. Although I don't remember my own dog who was with us through this whole experience, I remember seeing a giant German shepherd on a school desk with his head held high as a vet worked on the dog's injured paw. I don't remember how we got from our house to anywhere else. I've seen plenty of photos of cyclone damage, so I know that the streets would have been full of corrugated iron, power lines, damaged cars, so we would have had to pick our way through. I wish I could remember, but I can't. We camp in Dad's old Detroit office. Our bath is a blow-up toddler pool right next to the Stewart Highway with sheets hung around for privacy. Four days after the cyclone, Mum, Louise, Martin and I are evacuated to Adelaide and Dad stays behind to help with the clean-up. 
we go to we stop in Brisbane on the way. And I remember mum telling me that the lady who was being taken off the plane on a stretcher was about to have a baby. Now, mum kept our Christmas presents safe in the car through the cyclone. I don't remember a single one of them. Don't remember opening them, nothing. What I remember is at Brisbane Airport, it seemed like miles of trestle tables covered with toys for us Darwin kids to choose from. And the wonder of finding a pack that had a skipping rope, a set of knuckles, one for the older kids in the audience, and a set of jacks. It was it was joy. <laughs> when we arrived in Adelaide at my grandparents' house, they took us into Nana and Grandpa's room and there was a suitcase on the bed full of Barbie dolls which had been donated by their neighbours' daughters. There were so many clothes, including matching bags and shoes. Louise and I were in heaven. As a mum, I approach cyclones with a lot more fear than when I was a child. My fear is all about keeping my kids safe. And I can only imagine what my mum and other mums must have felt trying to protect their children from something so wild and powerful. Mum's always taken lots of photos and recently she sent me two little photo albums from After Cyclone Tracy. There's photos of damaged houses, there's photos of the house we were in, even the shower where we took shelter. There are photos of mum and dad going through the demolished remains of the house. But the only photos of Louise, Martin and I were taken in Adelaide when we were safe. There's photos of us with our grandparents at the playground, happy, and photos of us in our pyjamas, fast asleep and safe. As I put this story together, I wish I could ask Louise about her reminiscences. We could talk about it argue, laugh, argue a bit more, I'm sure, and talk to our kids about it. But she died 15 years ago, so we have to rely on just my dodgy radio memory. I am very lucky to work as a school librarian, and every year the kids at school who are about the age, the year three, sorry, who are about the age I was during the cyclone, they do a unit on Cyclone Tracy. So that's the opportunity to wheel out old Miss Kathy, living relic of the cyclone. <laughs> the kids ask me lots of awesome questions. You know, Miss Kathy, what did you put in your cyclone kit? I don't know. I was a kid. It was my job just to do as I was told. Um, Miss Kathy, what was the wind speed when you went into the bathroom? I don't know. There was no Google. My parents didn't know either. We just took shelter when the radio told us to. My, my favourite question they've asked was, Miss Cathy, were you in the bombing of Darwin too? <laughs> uh, 55 or 105, it doesn't really make any difference to kids. But the kids, their favourite part of the story is the same as mine. 
the memory of the wonderful warmth of the shower wing. When I get to that part of the story, the room erupts with screams of laughter and disgust as the kids call out an, uh, an excited, ew! Kathy shared her story at Darwin Festival in 2021 where the theme was After Dark. In this episode, you heard story production by Jennifer Pinkerton, sound editing and production by Gaia Osborne, with music by Sam Carmody. Our podcast receives funding support from Darwin International Airport, and we're one of the projects to come out of the Creative Production House Story Projects. Now, if you've spent time in the top end, you might know the traditional custodians of the Darwin region are the Larrakia people. We're grateful to them as first storytellers and for welcoming us to their country. My name's Jess Ong. Thanks for listening.